Well, today I'm talking about loving God, loving people, and making disciples, right? This, we're on this theme, uh, all this, this next, uh, few, we're on the series of making disciples, but, uh, this basically sums up the message of the Bible, doesn't it? Love God, love people, make disciples in that order, <laughs> right? Um, so the idea of loving God is an interesting one because we really can't do this on our own. We don't have the power on our own to love God. It's not within us. So we're incapable if left to ourselves. When I, um, I experienced the love of God when I was a young boy. I had my first encounter with the presence of God. Um, I grew up in a broken home. My mother and my father, they divorced when I was young. I was three years old. I never really knew them together. And when um, I was in the fourth grade, my father got custody of me and uh, put me in a Catholic school, St. Mary's in Providence, Rhode Island. And uh, soon thereafter, my mother, she got, she got custody of me. And now she had three children in a prior marriage to my father. And now my brother and I, she got custody of So she had five kids in this house. And um, I found out that I had to go live with my mother. Um, not that I didn't really love her or anything. She was amazing. But as a young boy, I wanted to live with my dad. And so um, I found out that I was going to live with her by coming, being brought out of class and into the principal's office where he was uh, sitting with his head in his hands and he was in a tan suit. And so I knew right away something was wrong because I had never seen my dad in a suit before. He ran an oil business and he had a home heating company and he was always in dingy, dark blue clothes. And so here he was sitting in a in the principal's office with a tan suit with his face in his hands. And so I sat next to him and he looked up at me through his tear-stained eyes and he said, you have to go live with your mother. And I didn't want that. I didn't want any of that. And um, so she had come and picked me up that day and I walked out into, got into her small silver Dodge Colt and drove away. And I was sort of quiet the whole ride. And my mother, she was trying to cheer me up. And she said, um, if you could have anything in the whole world, what would it be? And I said, to go live with dad. Uh, that broke her heart. And uh, so she wasn't really ready for me. And uh, I had to go sleep in my sister's room uh, when I got there. And so my sister had a very yellow room. It was Everything was yellow. All her furniture was yellow. She had like bamboo, fake bamboo. I guess that was the thing back then. Fake bamboo furniture. And so that night I slept in her you know, bamboo canopy bed. And I was enrolled in a, a new school the next day called St. Margaret's. New school, new friends, new kids, new uniform. I was completely uncomfortable. They all seemed to know each other. I didn't know anything. New religion. I didn't know anything about the Lord or anything like that. And I remember Miss Levy said to me, said to the class, if you're ever afraid, just say, Jesus, be with me now. And that'd be it. <laughs> like, okay, lady, I'm petrified, you know. Just say, Jesus, be with me now. But I kind of put that in my pocket, and I went home that night, and I stayed in my sister's yellow room in that yellow canopy bed. I can't, you know what it is? I can't do this. This is uncomfortable. He made a, that's how I made a comment that I was, like, playing with my ankles or something. I'm trying to show up my sleeve. Anyway, so there was lying in bed, and I woke up in a terrible fright and was in 
I was convulsing on my bed and uh, having some sort of demonic attack that night. And I remember what Miss Levy said, and I just kept saying, Jesus be with me now, Jesus be with me now. And she was all of a sudden with me in that room. And like a, you know, like someone threw a warm blanket over me and like just quenching those fires of fear. And I just calmed down. And I remember once I, I calmed down, I, I recognized someone or something was in the room with me. And to the right, I sensed this presence. Like I knew Jesus was there. And there was this immediate sense of peace, immediate sense of love, and I knew that God loved me. Now, I knew that not because somebody said, God loves you. I knew that because I had an encounter with the presence of God. And some of you in this room have a similar testimony. You, you encountered the presence of God in your life at some point. So when we say God loves us or God loves you, we're really not capable of loving him unless we really fully understand that. You know, later on in life, I found out that my dad went into a deep depression from that moment. And that night that Jesus was comforting me, my dad had a gun to his head and the Lord stopped him from taking his life. So he was comforting me and comforting him at the same time. So in John 3.16, we know this verse to say, this is a very familiar verse to a lot of us. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And we love him because he first loved us. And that's 1 John 4. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God, and everyone who loves God has been born of God and knows God. And the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. God's love for us is displayed on the cross. God's love for us is displayed on the cross. The gospel is the demonstration of God's love for us. There's a song that my daughter, Everly, and I uh, sing. She learned it in uh, preschool, and uh, it's interesting. It says, uh, did Adam act for himself alone in <laughs> the covenant of life? Look at her. She's back there. <laughs> she's like, no, don't sing that. And then all the kids say, no, no, he, he represented the whole human race, right? No, he represented the whole human race. No, he represented the whole human race. I mean, I was singing like Wheels on the Bus when I was her age. It's a pretty deep theological song, isn't it? Like, that's it. It song gets it, right? Adam didn't act alone in the garden in breaking the covenant of life. Golly, deep stuff. He didn't act alone. He represented the whole human race. He represented you and me. And in that way, brought a curse on mankind. And so God sent his son to break that curse 
And on that cross, he's demonstrating his love for all mankind, that he would save us back from the brokenness and the punishment. And he displayed his, li- his, his love for us by taking that curse upon himself and dying and then raising again to life, allowing us to have new life with him. That's the gospel, right? That we have new life in him now, that we're considered reborn again, born again in him. And we turn from our selfish ways and we accept God's love for us and in turn love him. But we can't really say that we love him unless we fully understand his love for us. Those are the rules, right? Charles Spurgeon, he was a, uh, a pastor in London, England, very is amazing orator. And he says this. There is no exception to this rule. If a man loves not God, neither is he born of God. Show me a fire without heat, then show me regeneration that does not produce love to God. For as the sun must give forth its light, so must a soul that has been created anew by divine grace display its nature by sincere affection towards God. You must be born again, but you're not born again unless you love God. How indispensable then is love to God. You know, Jesus calls us to make disciples, but we can't make disciples until we're first discipled in the love of God, right? This is first. We can't go duplicate ourselves unless we understand and are disciplined and and, and really have this full comprehension of the love that God has for us. It's first. You know, where Brittany and I are opening a new coffee shop in Fitchburg, uh, and I was there yesterday meeting... um, meeting a friend of mine who runs a bakery, and he's a Christian brother, and um, he was remarking on how God's going to use us there and and how, you know, we're in this the midst of sort of the city sort of atmosphere, and there's a lot of, there's a, there's a halfway house, and there's a lot of sort of vagrancy, you know, around there, and there was a man who was walking across the street, and he was obviously sick from the night before, and he's and he kind of sat down and we're just kind of watching this guy and he's like, man, these, these people, they're just like, they don't know. They're like ruining their lives. And, uh, so he sat down, he was, he was, you know, just sitting on the sidewalk being sick. And so he's like, we should go talk to him. And I'm like, and so, you know, how it goes, it's like, uh, I don't really want to, but you know, maybe we should, should we, shouldn't we? And so we're back and forth and I didn't really want to in my own self, right? Because I'm, I got things to do. So we took him a bottle of water and walked over and we said, Hey brother. And so we get to know him and his name was Peter. And so I got to try out this message on him yesterday. And I was saying, well, do you know that God loves you? Yeah, kind of, you know? And so in talking to him, we led him to Christ and he, he had some interesting perspectives because he wouldn't brought, he wasn't really brought up in, in Christianity. And I kind of love guys who, don't know much about the the love of the Lord because I feel like when they get hit with it, it's sort of all new. And so God really touched him. And so it was remarkable. And I realized, you know, obviously there's a few things that hit you, right? That the harvest is plenty, the laborers are few. Like, what do we do with them now? You know, like you got to get into fellowship and you're just afraid he's just going to go right back into that, that lifestyle. And that was and, and that was a, a moment for me that I realized that God loves these people more, way more than I do. And we're to be demonstrations of God's love. We're his hands, we're his feet, right? 
that we're to be expressions of God's love, that we can't be so consumed with ourselves and our own self-love that we can't love one another, we can't love others. So though I experienced the love of God as a young child, for me, it didn't really stick. So when I grew up, when I was 13, I learned how to play the guitar, and through the music I was listening to and learning to play and the discipleship that I was getting in the demonic realm, um, I strayed away from the Lord and... For years, I lived like a prodigal. I lived like a wasteful person. I was a, I was just consumed in this lifestyle of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And at one moment, my guitar player, he came to Christ. And so I went to church with him. And in that church service, I experienced the presence of God again. And it was that same Jesus that I met when I was in the fourth grade. That same presence, that same peace, that same love, that same that same sense of his love for me. That overwhelmed me, and I was just sitting weeping. Now it was my turn to have my head in my hands, and I was weeping, and I was broken. And I realized at that moment that not only did God love me, but these people in that place, it was one of the first things I recognized is those, those people in the church loved me. And that was different because I was used to hanging around with selfish people. They loved me and brought me close to God and close to Christ. And they loved on me and loved on me and they held me to Jesus. In those early days, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to that church because I don't know, without them, I probably wouldn't have made it. So the Bible records one of the last times Jesus appeared to his disciples. He meets them on the seashore. They've been out fishing all night, caught nothing. And he calls them and he tells them to throw their nets over the other side. And now he'd they, the disciples didn't realize who he was until probably this moment. And John says, it's the Lord. And so Peter wraps his robe around him. And he jumps in the water, being impulsive that he is. And he swims to the shore. And there's Jesus. And they are, uh, and he's got some lunch waiting for him. And so they, they eat together. And when they finish eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Why don't you call him Peter? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And again, the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know, I lo- you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he goes on to say, follow me. Follow my example, Peter. Jesus knew the love of the Father and loved the Father and in turn loved people. That was his example. And he gave his life for his friends and for us. And he made disciples. He was calling Peter to follow him in this way, to follow him into martyrdom even. Do you love me, he says, more than these? More than what? The Bible isn't really exactly clear what Jesus means by these. And we could speculate. We could say, was it the other disciples more than these others? Because Peter, the night that the Lord was betrayed, he said to him, Lord, even if they all walk away from you, Rocky has got you. I'm not going anywhere. Right? I got you, Lord. Or was he saying, you love me more than these? And maybe Jesus was looking at the fish. Because that 
Jesus had told him to wait in Jerusalem. And Peter was like, I'm going fishing. This was his livelihood. That's what he loved to do, right? And so was he saying to him, do you love me more than the thing that you love the most? Do you love me more than your dreams and aspirations? You know, that boat was Peter's that Jesus preached from, and the business was Peter's. And he had plans, I'm sure, like any man with a business, right? He had ideas. Do you love me more than these? So the text seems to imply that Peter maybe just gets a little frustrated and sort of went out. Jesus is challenging him. So what if Jesus asked this of you today? Do you love me more than these? What would these be in your life? What would the these be? You know, we're so distracted these days, right? So easily distracted from the love of God. We can easily get pulled away by this and that, by this. You know what a big distraction is um, in the church is the distraction of pornography. Two-thirds, according to Barna and some other polls, two-thirds of Christian men struggle with this. Two-thirds of Christian men, think about that for a second, actively watch porn on a regular basis. 70, and it's even worse than younger men, it's 75% of young men in the church struggle on this in this area. So it stands to reason in this room, there's some of you that are struggling with this. It's distracting you from the love of God. It's degrading you and pulling you away from him. Jesus says, if you love me, do what I say. Is he asking us, do you love me more than your phone? Come on, I don't hate me. I'm just a messenger. I'm just asking. Right? Because this thing pulls us away so simply, so easily. It has our hearts almost, you know? Or is it your work or your job or your family or your anything? Jesus wants to be first. The God's, listen, he, the first commandment is what? That you shall have no other gods before me. God wants your love for him to be first above your love for anything else. God's love want is to be paramount. The first thing in your heart, the first thing in your mind, the first thing in your life. God's love, your love for God needs to trump everything else in your life, right? So do you love me more than these? Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Can we say this with conviction? Can we say this with all honesty? Well then, if so, hear these words. Feed my sheep. Make disciples. Right? Feed my sheep. This is the heart of God for you and for me. If we say we love him, how are we feeding his sheep? How are we discipling those around us? Among us, making disciples ought to be a natural outflow of our love for God. If you love me, then you love his people, right? It shouldn't be forced, right? It's a natural deal. Dear friends, it says, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who love has been born of God and knows God. Jesus, when he was challenged one day, he said, 
they asked, what is the greatest commandment, right? What's the greatest? Sum it up for us, Lord. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Everything hangs, hangs on these two commandments, to love God and to love people and to make disciples. There's nothing greater. There's, there can be nothing greater in our lives than, to, than these things. So he's challenging us today, isn't he? Do you love me more than these? What are the these in our lives? What are the things that we put in front of him? Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's what we want. You know, are we coming into here and loving the Lord with our lips, and our, but our hearts are far from him? It's easy to make, to go through the motions, right? We're so trained in the sense of you've been going to church for a while to just sort of go through the motions. Well, hurry up, because I've got to get to lunch, you know, and then I get this, and I get this going on. But let's just stop for a moment and realize his love for us. You know, you don't have to teach a baby to love their parents. When they sense that you love them, it's the natural outflow that they just start loving you back. They're pre-programmed to do it. We don't teach our children to love us. And maybe later on you're going to program them, but... Right? Our daughter Shiloh, you know, I give her, we give her a bottle. She kind of reaches up, strokes your face, looks at you adoringly, and melts your heart. It's their natural, it's their natural reaction, right? In the same way, it's our reaction to God. Once we realize that He loves us and He died for us. And that he cares for us. And he has a plan for us. Like a mother or a father to a child. It's our natural reaction to love him. And then it's our natural reaction to obey him. You don't want to really disobey the one who really loves you. You don't want to do that. So we don't obey out of obligation. Right? We obey out of relationship. We obey because we have a relationship with God. You know, when I was first came to Christ, my friends, they were all like bewildered as to what was going on with me because I stopped the carousing, you know. And so one of my friends said to me, it, seemed like, it seems like you've been brainwashed. And I said, well, maybe I needed a good brainwashing. Right? I could use a good brainwashing now and again. God's able with his love to change a person's heart. Who can change their own heart? I can't. When you realize that the Lord loves you and cares about you, you'll do anything for him, right? So where are you today? Love God, love people, make disciples. Where are you on this list? Maybe you struggle with this. Maybe you're having a hard time loving God. Maybe you're having a hard time with this revelation that God even loves you. Maybe you don't feel like you deserve love. None of us do. But do you find yourself distracted? Loving yourself, your 
sin, your pleasure, your phone more than God. Perhaps yours is a deeper problem. Perhaps the things you love have you bound. Perhaps the thing that you're putting first in your life is the very thing that's destroying your life. Like that man I spoke to, he obviously loved the bottle, but it was destroying him. And it's sad to see something like that. And I wonder what God's heart is like when he sees us destroying our lives for something that is so worthless. Not realizing that he loves you. You know that man, Peter, I spoke to yesterday. I said, what did you want to be when you were younger? He said, an artist. He said he went to college for, for art school. Somehow he got distracted. He got pulled away. He got pulled into something that just put a collar on him and drug him away. He was, a, he was bound. He was a slave to sin. And he couldn't see his way out. You know, when Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda, he heals a man. And he picks up his mat and goes away. He was crippled for 38 years. And Jesus sees him later on and he says, See, you're made whole. Go and sin no more. Let something worse happen to you. You know, there's something to knowing the love of God and experiencing the power of God and having our lives change and then going right back and disregarding it. It's like there's a blessing and a warning, right? Don't go back to that way of life. Once you've experienced the love of God from the inside and he's transformed you, don't go back there. Shut that phone off. So where are you today? The Lord is asking you, do you love me more? Do you love me more than anything? Perhaps you've never experienced the love of God or understood his love for you. And maybe today could be your day then. Maybe today could be the day that you encounter his spirit. Maybe today could be the day when you are reborn in his love. Maybe you've forsaken your first love. You've gone astray, walked away in your heart. You started loving things more than him. Pleasure, money, yourself, whatever it is, you've walked away. And hear him say to you today, will you continue to love these things more than me? So can we make today your day? Can we make today the day that we say, you know what, Lord, I have been, yeah. We're going to be honest with him. Can we as a church today turn our hearts to loving him first, to having no other gods before us but him? You know, I believe if we do this collectively, we do this as a church, that God will do great and mighty things with us and through us. Yeah. Do you love me first? Do you love me first? Let's bow our heads together and let's pray. If you relate with what I'm saying, if this is you today, that you've loved other things more than you want to, 
and you want to give your life to him today, you want to make him first in your heart, you want to raise your heart to him, and I ask that you do this with me, would you raise your hand high so I can see it and I can pray with you? I'd like to pray with you. See that hand. See those hands. Yes, all over this place. Praise the Lord. Keep them up. Pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, let's all pray it together. I know you love me. I know that you died on the cross for my sins. I know you love me because you sent your son to die in my place. So I can have a new life with you. I know I haven't been putting you first in my heart and in my life. I've loved other things more. But today I turn from these things that I love and I turn my heart to you. Please wash me clean and make me new in you. And today I say with conviction, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. So if you raise your hand today and you said that prayer with us, would you do one more thing? Would you stand with me? If you raise your hand, please stand. Thank you. Could you do one last thing for me? We want to pray for you as a church, get to know you. If you're you're standing in this room, could you come forward here? And could the prayer team come forward? We want to pray with you. We want to ask that you let us pray for you and make this today, make this place here your altar. An altar is a place of witness, a place of remembrance, a place where you remember, I did something here and I left my life here at the altar. If you've come with someone that's standing, why don't you walk down with them? Praise the Lord. Look at all these people. Come on. Come on, church. Let's let's celebrate with them. Making a commitment to say, Lord, you're first in my life. You're first in my heart. And I've made other things first before you, but no longer. Praise the Lord. Thank you guys for being so courageous. I want to thank you for being courageous and stepping forward and stepping out and being so bold to make this commitment today. And if the prayer team could just gently lay hands on the back of those that are up here and pray for them. We ask that uh, as Brittany leads us in a song, that we just make this time a time of solemn prayer. We've got time. We're early. Don't worry. We're not going anywhere. Let's just, and the rest of us as a church, why don't we all stand together with them and support them? And let's just, let's just open our hearts to God and let him love on us a little bit. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for these souls, Lord. Lord, we know that the angels of heaven rejoice with even one soul that is saved. And so, Father, we rejoice with the angels of heaven today and declare, Lord, that today is a day of salvation. Today is a day of first things first. First things first. We're putting you first in our hearts. We're putting you first in our lives, God. And we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would bless those who have come forward here. Lord, they made a bold declaration. Father, we pray that you'd fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love like never before. May they know their plans and the purposes that you have for them. Father, may they understand that they're born in you today, anew today, Jesus. And Father, we pray, Lord, that as those who have made this declaration step out, that you would step out as well and meet them. 
And Father, we pray against the works of the enemy in their lives. We rebuke the enemy over their lives. And Father, we pray, Lord, that they would walk anew, that they would be new. And Father, that they wouldn't walk in their old ways. They wouldn't go back. They wouldn't go back. That they wouldn't turn back to their old ways. Lord, that they would find themselves anew today in this identity in Christ. That they would find themselves anew in you. And so, Father, we praise you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for what you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him.